of here, sassy pants. She said, get out of here, sassy pants. (laughs) Show your golf Mm. lesson. Mm. Mm. Uh, I I, I work every day for him to be able to take those golf lessons. Here we go. (laughs) I put food on this table. table. (laughs) You don't understand the work I do. <laughs> so that you can go with your sassy pants. That's to right. Golf lessons. Right. I pay for those golf clubs, damn it. I love it here. <laughs> also, I think he farted before he left, and that was rude. Chris! <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? He'd be doing that. It's That's rude. Definitely going in the intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Blair. And I'm Kirsten, and we are Mediocre Content. And I will never get, it will never get old, the absolute ridiculousness that happens right before we're supposed to record something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and this, this time weird. we limited to like 30 minutes, though, so I'm kind of <sighs> proud of us. I mean, on it's, I, it's my fault. I'm on a time crunch, to be fair. <laughs> oh, fair. Totally not recording this uh, during my lunch break. <laughs> no, she is. No. She is at work, ladies I, and gentlemen. Yes. Working yes. woman. <laughs> she is. Yeah. And this is our second time attempting to record this because my internet is garbage. Um, So if we refer to, oh, yeah, we talked about that in the first one or like, you know, oh, yeah, we mentioned this before. It's because we recorded this a first time. And then stopped halfway through and decided it was garbage. And we didn't want you guys to have to listen to garbage. This is mediocre content, but it's not garbage content. So, Well, also, to be fair, I'm lazy and did not want to edit that either. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. No, that's fair. Oh, my God. I mean, she is our one woman IT department. So we have to give her. No, we are a two woman (laughs) IT department. (laughs) Working on it slowly but surely. All right. I say we jump in because we've got a lot to say. We've got a lot. Yeah, we do. You're right. I I jam packed this episode. So um, a nice little disclaimer before we get into the good news. Um, We are not experts on anything. We are trying to teach you something, but always fact check us because, you know, we don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And um, we appreciate if you... uh, point out if we're wrong slide into our dms and uh just let us know that'd be cool um this is a give and take relationship okay okay so uh with that kirsten take us into the good news i'm so excited i was excited the first round for this good news but i'm equally as excited to hash it out a second time for the for the listener it's great we love it uh it is a little bit more good news than normal uh because there was just so much to discuss in my opinion. All right. Big cat energy. That's what I've titled the first one. Uh, so saving spots initiative projects wild oh, protects wild cats and cultural traditions in Zambia. This is a big deal. Lots of culture kind of intertwined with some of the things that have been going on with the big cats. Holding the synthetic leopard fur up next to the real thing. It's hard to tell which is which. And that's exactly what the team behind Saving Spots wants to hear. Saving Spots was launched in August 2019 by Panthera, which is the global wildcat conservation organization. 
and Baratas Royal Establishment of the Lotsi people. And this is an initiative in Zambia that aims to protect the country's wildcat populations while preserving the traditions and ceremonies of the Lotsi, such as their Kuamboka Festival. Sorry if I mispronounced it. Uh, during this annual event, community members will wear what they call lepatello skirts, which are made from leopard and serval fur, as well as mashukwe headpieces topped by a lion's mane. So lots of big cat fur being used for these ceremonial garbs. Panthera developed and designed faux leopard and serval furs, uh, which to replace what they're wearing that is real. So this would just be fake. And they have the endorsement of the Lhotse king, which is also huge, meaning their influence can carry into that culture. Um, even though it's fake, it's still going to provide the same look that they're going for during these festivals. And to have that backing is great. So this not only will reduce the demand for wildcat skins, but also preserve the Lhotse, preserve the Lhotse people's most important ceremonies that involve these pelts. And since 2019, 1,350 Lepatello and Mushukwe made of heritage fur have been distributed, and eventually all regalia for every Lotsi event will turn to synthetic. So this is huge for the wildcat conservation. It's also huge for the Lotsi people. They get to carry on with their ceremonial events without being disturbed and also um, help conserve these big cats. Cute. We love. Love a good cat story. We do. We do. I can't help but think of, um, what is it? Tiger King when you bring Uh, up big cats. I know. (laughs) But that's, this is the opposite of that. Yes, this is definitely the opposite of that. Uh, All right. We're going to leave Earth. Uh, You know, I enjoy space. So that's where we're headed for this next piece. Uh, as many of you may know, we have a beautiful giant telescope called the James Webb Space Telescope. And this specialized telescope has observed the faintest galaxy yet seen in the early universe, giving researchers additional clues into a period of time known as the Epoch of Reionization. And this took place after the arrival of the first stars. So, gonna blow your mind in terms of timeline for a minute Mm -hmm, (laughs) it's mm -hmm. gonna hurt just a little i'm ready so in a study published in the journal nature researchers wrote that the galaxy called jd1 is approximately 13.3 billion light years away because of that this galaxy is being observed as it looked when the universe was just a few hundred million years old so we're kind of seeing it in the past in the future which is messed a up total like mind warp like it is. i <laughs> it's so wild it is wild uh before the web telescope switched on just a year ago though we couldn't even dream of confirming that such a galaxy existed um and this was stated uh from the co-author of the UCLA study The telescope was able to observe JD-1 due to its infrared instruments and through gravitational lensing, um, which is revolutionary. And they are currently rewriting the book on how galaxies are formed, how they evolved, and the immediate aftermath of the Big Bang as a result of this discovery. Um, So huge. You know. Huge but faint. (laughs) 
And finally, I like to talk about science. Obviously, this is going to go more into medical silence, science, silence, silence, uh, medical science. This is about cancer news. We've got the second one. I'm not a huge fan of a little bit. I have my opinions about it, but we'll talk about it. But the first group okay. revolves around brain cancer, and this is good stuff. So a new study found that the experimental drug voracidinib, I don't know, significantly reduced the progression of brain cancer, significantly being in air quotes and physical quotes for some reason. Uh, the slowing progression of tumors by an average of more than 16 months. This new drug created by the private drug developer Severe Group is the first molecularly targeted treatment for diffuse glioma. And study lead author Ingo Mellinghoff called the results which were published in the New England Journal of Medicine a very big finding. This drug specifically works on grade 2 gliomas by blocking a specific enzyme mutated in low-grade gliomas, keeping them from progressing and postponing the need for further treatment like chemotherapy, which we know can be really harsh on the body, of course. Mm -hmm. um, this group said that the results are quite striking and they're statistically highly significant and more importantly, clinically very significant. Uh, the severe work, severe group is working to get the drug approved by the Food and Drug Administration for use in the United States, uh, which would obviously greatly impact those who have brain cancer. All of that's great. Uh, I really, I don't, I don't understand why they used quotes for significantly and then restated the significance across the board was striking. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like all okay. good news, but I'm confused by it. <laughs> yeah, maybe the significantly was just in quotes was meant to just um, tune in the reader to like their definition of significant, like maybe. based on the like um, what it's the word I'm looking for, the sample size that they used or something mm, like that. Maybe so. That could be. Um. The second bit of cancer news, I don't know. I'll let you guys form your own opinions. I'll just tell you what the news is. So it's called Walk It Off. An additional new study into cancer research suggests that for cancer patients, staying active by walking 30 minutes a day or doing some yoga can reduce fatigue and lower the risk of the disease spreading, returning, or causing death kind of a large statement yes i don't know at the annual meeting of the american society of clinical oncology three studies were presented that looked at the role of exercise in the lives of cancer patients the largest was a randomized control study of more than 500 u.s cancer patient patients with an average age of 56 and this was led by the university of rochester medical center the patients who received cancer treatment between two months and five years before the start of the study were split into groups with one practicing yoga and the other attending health education classes. Blood work taken at the end of the study showed that those who did yoga had, quote, significantly lower levels of pro-inflammatory markers, end quote, compared to the participants in the other group. I feel, personally, anyone can disagree. It's all opinionated. I feel like this has to do more with physical health awareness in your immune system, your like your overall body. Mm -hmm. And even though it's correlated, 
potentially to this scenario and it's good to know I struggle with the causality connection you know what I mean yeah like it's great and hopefully that is fact uh or we're moving towards claiming it's fact but I I I don't know (laughs) well I also think that your body has an inflammatory response to mm. anything, any pathogen or anything that's kind of abnormal. Right. Um, and walking has been proven to reduce inflammation in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they're just applying it to cancer patients. You Could know, be. it doesn't have to be. But yeah, I agree. And then also I was going to say, too, that walking helps with your mental health. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. As we've seen from those of us who have started walking during the pandemic, you know, to get out of the house or whatever. Um, And like, there's definitely been research to show that like your mental health is like a huge proponent of your physical, like helping your physical health. So, I mean, that could be something. I know they just tested like inflammatory markers in this particular study, but it's another thing that walking can definitely help with, especially if you're dealing with a huge life-changing illness like cancer. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And honestly, if it legitimately does help even a fraction of individuals in that way, success is success. You know, like I'm not trying to dog on the study at all, but I always like to just caution myself even just to be like, yeah, it looks like they could be correlated. But as as a scientist by nature, correlation does not mean causation. There's lots of different tests and discoveries to be made, but hopefully this is a step in the right direction. (laughs) Totally. Puns. (laughs) Puns. <laughs> you know where else you take a lot of steps? Theme parks. Theme parks. <laughs> Didn't mean to make you choke. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, okay. So uh, this episode is going to be on obscure theme parks, and some of you might be asking, "Well, Blair, what does what does it mean to be an obscure theme park?" And wait, wait, wait. Can I ask? I'm gonna. Yeah, ask. sure, sure. Go ahead, go ahead. Blair, Blair. What do you mean by obscure theme parks? Thank you so much, Kirsten, for asking. You're welcome. Um, I <laughs> would describe an obscure theme park as any theme park that is not Disney related. Okay. Uh, Universal Studios, Cedar hmm. Point, uh, Coney Island, or Six Flags. And if you have a question about what Cedar Point is, it's a really cool theme park in Ohio. And it has a lot of record-breaking roller coasters, which is why I'm including it as, like, not obscure. <laughs> Fair um, <clears throat> and these obscure theme parks also have, like, weird themes, which I enjoy. <laughs> so so this is going to be super good. Um, I'm going to start off the episode. The first half is going to be on, like, a history of the theme park. So it's going to be just a small, like, a well, it's kind of a large timeline of, like, roller coasters <laughs> and how... They have developed over time, mostly through in American history. So there were there's a lot of other like European theme parks that have predated a lot of this, but we're just focusing on the United States right now. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. This is also this timeline is from the National Amusement Park Historical Association, which I did not know existed until I started looking up stuff for this episode. So, Me neither. Interesting. Shout out to them. <laughs> Got an association um, for everything. Yeah. I know, right? And it's a national association. National, yeah, too, national. Which is wild. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna start off in 1550 to 1700. Um, in Europe, 
pleasure gardens <laughs> began to appear. And this is basically like if you watch Bridgerton or any like uh like Victorian era um movie or TV show um when they walk around the garden or they like go out into the promenade or like whatever, you know, they um that is that is what they're referring to here in the pleasure garden. Okay. Love that. They were the first permanent areas set aside specifically for outdoor entertainment. So the attractions included fountains, flower gardens, bowling, yard bowling, games, music, dancing, and stage spectacles, and a few primitive amusement rides. They had a whole I don't know what those entail. Right? Mm -hmm. In 1650, large ice slides supported by heavy timbers became popular as a wintertime diversion in Russia, which does not surprise me. It is hella cold there. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. And the most elaborate ice slides were in St. Petersburg, which is, I believe, the capital of Russia. I'm not sure. I think so. Yeah. Uh, isn't this like... It's a major city. Luging, or what do they call it? Snow? Yeah, so I'm sure Snow. it's it probably like... Or bobsledding, bob maybe? Sle- yeah, maybe. I don't forget what they call it. Yeah. It was probably the early like origins of that sport, too. Amazing. Anyway, um, small wooden sleds used iron runners to glide down the slides these simple amusements were the forerunner of today's roller coasters. Okay. So now we're moving on to 1767. Um, America finally caught on to the, the pleasure garden uh, trend. So happy. <laughs> they opened one in New York City. And by the early 1800s, it was home to one of the first carousels in the country. Fancy. Yes. And then in 1829, Coney Island was born in New York City, (laughs) and it was largely due to the roadways um, that led that were able to access Coney Island. Um, The first hotel opens and launching basically launching the the growth of America's most legendary amusement area. So which I have not been to and need to make a point to go. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, In 1829. Oh, wait, no. In 1842, excuse me, the first looping gravity railway is exhibited in Frascati Gardens in Paris, France. And the French called the device the Chemin du Centrifuge. And we had like we had talked about the fact that a centrifuge is this thing where you in in the lab, in science, of course, science, because we don't know. We don't know how to talk about anything else. No, Um. (laughs) You put your sample, there's like a little test tube. It's very tiny and plastic. You put it in the centrifuge and you push the button and it swirls <laughs> it around and around and around and around. And you separate the solids in that liquid and the and the liquid, obviously. Yes. So. Beautiful. Um, And then it like makes your sample different and blah, blah. I don't know. Whatever you're trying <laughs> wow. to study. And apparently this is the French's version of a human one of those. So just yes. take that into account. <laughs> anyway, um, try to separate 18... my solids from my liquids. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, I mean, yeah. So basically, it just it's a spinny ride. I don't know, spinny ride. Um, in 1875, with the completion of the first railroad, Coney Island is fast becoming the po- a popular seaside resort. Um, 
Coney's most popular attractions were located in pavilions built near the water, including cabaret entertainment, vaudeville acts, melodramas, fortune tellers, games, and rides, such as small carousels. In 1884, LaMarcus A. Thompson um, introduces his switchback gravity pleasure railway at what is Coney the Island. Pleasure coming from it. I don't like, know. It's just like, I know it's an old word for fun. Right. And like excitement. Like I get the context of it. But right. It just right. Sound, like in today's context, that would be so weird. I know. It's, <laughs> we've really like messed up the context of the word we pleasure. Absolutely. In our society. Have. Yeah. Because, yeah, I feel like in this time period, like you just said, you know, it's definitely just a word for like, fun time yeah it's exciting it's it's, yeah it's just fun (laughs) so his device that was at coney island is registered as the first true roller coaster in america although several similar attractions had already opened such as the switch the mau 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 chunk mau chunk i don't like chunk i don't (laughs) like it either there's too many vowels uh switchback railway anyway in 1888 the first electric-powered steel railway opens in Richmond, Virginia. Woohoo! Soon, hundreds of trolley lines are constructed around the country to maximize revenue, and operators sought ways to attract riders during the lightly used periods of the evenings and weekends. So amusement parks were typically stationed at the ends of these railways, um, or the trolley lines, I guess, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. in order to get people to ride the trolleys and then also like have a destination to go to, right? Fancy. So in 1889, um, Lena Beecher of New York constructs America's first vertical looping roller coaster in Toledo. Hmm. It is later relocated to the New York's Coney Island and some imitation rides such as the Loop the Loop on Young's Pier in Atlantic City. Can we just mentally take note that they physically relocated a roller coaster? Yeah, so I think they probably just broke it down into parts and put it on a truck or something or a train and then incredible shipped it. Like I know that people like the pop-up like fairs and stuff, like obviously mm-hmm. they do that, but they are not to the scale of what like an amusement park roller coaster would be. Yeah, it's fair. But I I feel I'm thinking of it kind of like Legos, you know, or like one Maybe. of those um uh Lincoln logs. <laughs> Or, well, that I was gonna say, what is what I'm a, the matchbox car like tracks, mm. you know, oh. where it just like comes out in pieces. Mm-hmm. That would make I sense. Like, and then you put it on a train and you just ship it to Coney Island because it's the last stop on the train line anyway. Fair. Right? Uh, well, yeah. okay. That, that made it better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> in 1893, Chicago's Columbian Exposition introduces the famous George Ferris Giant Wheel, which is ridiculous yeah (laughs) in terms of name a true wonder of the then modern world the first ferris wheel weighed over four million pounds and was 264 feet high i always wondered why we call it a ferris wheel now you know it's george george ferris giant wheel (laughs) (laughs) the more you know (laughs) in 1894 uh shoots park in chicago opens um, built by Captain Paul Boyt- Boyton, um, Shoots Park was one of the first um, amusement parks to be enclosed 
and charge admission. After relocating in 1896, Chutes Park closed in 1908. The first part, the park served as a model for Sea Lion Park in New York's Coney Island. Interesting. I wonder what he was the captain of. I don't know. (laughs) Theme parks? Chicago? I don't know. (laughs) The whole of Chicago. (laughs) The whole of Chicago. captain, my captain. (laughs) Exactly. Um, let's see. So in 1903, Thompson and Dundee's Luna Park opens on May 16th at Coney Island. The electrical Arabian night style of architecture attracted over 40,000 patrons that first evening. Luna Park burned down in 1947, probably due to the electrical lights. (laughs) It was pretty while it lasted. (laughs) Exactly. In 1910, more than 2,000 amusement parks are operating throughout the United States. Which is pretty cool. Have you, I guess later in the timeline, do you discuss what the current number is in the United States? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. You should look it up. Look it up. In... Okay, so from 1915 to 1920, many parks closed due due to the invention of the automobile um, because all of these amusement parks that were built were at the end of these trolley lines and railways and stuff. So people are using cars. They have no way to get to the amusement parks, really. Um, And they didn't really have a lot of parking lots like you do, like you see the miles and miles of parking lots in amusement parks now. So true. Um, also motion pictures were becoming a huge thing, you know, movies. Mm -hmm. Um, so the automobile, the drive-in movie theaters, I feel like we're having a moment. (laughs) They did. From 1919 to to 1929, this is the golden age of the amusement parks. But if you know anything about history, you know that something's about to happen. Absolutely. Um, so this many larger cities had as many of, as six amusement parks um and there was competition between the amusement parks and many of the best roller coasters of all time were built during that time by John A Miller um so let's see from 1929 to 1933 the stock market crashed and the great depression caused many of the parks to close Right. So that makes sense. The number of amusement parks decreases from that 2000 to less than 500 in 19. Yeah. In. Yeah. Yeah. There was 2000. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if you don't know, John Miller, the number of roller coasters that he has had his hands in, like if you look at the list, we looked at this last time, but Mm -hmm. it is huge and is immense. Yeah. Um, additionally, that number, that less than 500, is actually really significant because after looking up how many there are as of 2023, there's actually 620 in the United States now, which is oh, a wow. 9% increase from 2022. Wow. So there's really not that many more than what was. Well, or I guess I... it fluctuates too. Even I think what has also fluctuated maybe, and this is a side note, I'm so sorry, mm. uh, but you made me think about it. I think the biggest factor is also scale. 
Because right. I think what we are thinking, like pleasure gardens, they, the scale was significantly smaller potentially than what we would see in a modern day amusement park, like a true, true. modern day amusement park. So true. it makes sense that there was many because they could essentially call any garden with a fountain a pleasure garden or an amusement park for people to enjoy. I feel like the definition might have changed. And also there's less because they're taking up more space. So right you know right and we'll get into there's um as we move forward into like the 1950s there's a lot of like corporate mm-hmm. backing of that amusement too. parks to create like large scale amusement parks to what we're used to today so there's there's a lot yeah to consider for sure cool okay so great depression after Sash. the great depression <laughs> uh in the 1940s, amusement parks offer a diversion from the Second World War. So everyone's using that as like escapist content. You know, Makes like sense. we all I think we all kind of learned that everyone started going to the movies a lot more during that time. Mm. Um, and but also amusement parks. Nice. Um, in 1950s, baby boomers came of age and a new innovation, Kitty Lands. Begin to spring up near another post-war phenomenon. Um, the sh- oh, near another post-war phenomenon, the shopping center. So the mall. <laughs> so the mall had kitty land. Yes, and some of them still do. <laughs> yes, they do. Well, and also I always think about the Mall of America because they have like the oh, largest yeah. indoor coaster, and they have like a huge. I've always wanted to go to the Mall of America. I'm sure mm-hmm. it's like fine but like i i've always wanted to go just and just experience. see yeah like what what they have to offer you know <laughs> what can you offer me in this kitty land <laughs> exactly um so due to rapidly rising property values the boom in kitty land building is short lived of course so kitty land was in and out <laughs> okay dun da da in 19 19- in 1955, Disneyland opens. <laughs> now, so it starts. The this saga. is the first nation's theme park and truly the beginning of amusement parks as we know today. Mm-hmm. All right, it was 17 million to build, which in 1955 was, was a like lot. a lot of money. Disneyland represents the largest investment in an amusement park and has been made that has been made up into the this time. Mm-hmm. Um, in spite of skepticism over such a new concept, the park was an instant success, drawing 3.8 million visitors to its five themed areas during the first season. Incredible. Right. And this is in a time where people had cars, but like it wasn't like they were flying to Disneyland right. all willy nilly, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And it was in California, you know, in Anaheim. So, I mean, there was LA, yeah. but, you know. People aren't always, and they're not like flocking there. It's not the same as it is no. today. So that's pretty impressive. In 1959, the Matterhorn premieres at Disneyland. Built by Aero Development, the Matterhorn is the first major steel roller coaster with a tubular track, forever changing the face of roller coaster development. Fancy. Probably also changing the safety factor <laughs> right. of roller coasters as well. Right. Uh. Uh, in 1963, Aero Development introduces the first log flume at Six Flags over Texas. Ooh. The ride quickly became the most popular ride at the park, and soon many log flumes being built at theme 
were being built at theme parks and traditional parks around the world. You can always I, find one. Always. <laughs> at every one. Always. Bush Gardens had a mm-hmm. log bloom. Um, yep. Bush Gardens is also one of the major ones that I'm not going to talk about in this episode. But that's fine. Um, Dollywood has one. Yeah. I mean, everybody. Everybody. Yeah. It's a good one. And okay, so from the 1960s to 1970s, large inner city parks began closing, reflecting changing times. As turmoil increases throughout the large cities, parks feel similar pressures. Notable parks closed in this period include Riverview in Chicago, Euclid Beach in Cleveland, and Palisades Park and Cliffside Park in New Jersey. Dang. In the 1970s now, large corporate-backed theme parks begin growing in numbers with such major corporations as Marriott, Penn Central, Anheuser-Busch, Taft Broadcasting, Mattel, and... Harcourt, uh, Brace and Jekinovich invest in theme parks. I don't, I guess it's a law firm. I'm not really sure. Yeah. It's probably like three people own it. So they just have yeah. all their names in it. Like Alan, 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 and Alan. Right. <laughs> right. That's a throwback. <laughs> throwback. Um, so many family owned traditional theme parks succumb to the competitive pressures and go the way of the mom and pop grocery store. Right. So like a lot of these, um, amusement parks previous to this were very like family owned, very small, you know, community theme parks. Yeah. Still other traditional parks renovate and expand to compete with the new wave of theme parks. Examples include Kennywood in Pittsburgh, PA, which I wanted to go when I lived there. <laughs> I was, was going to say, yeah, did I did go? not end up going. <sighs> um, but I like heard about it all the time. Um, Cedar Point, mm-hmm, we, mm-hmm. we talked about them, Dorney Park in Allentown, Pennsylvania, hmm. Lagoon in Farmington, Utah, which we'll talk about later, and Hershey Park in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So I've been to the museum at Hershey Park, but we've never actually been in the park, which is a shame because we've been close to it. Mm-hmm. But I've also never heard of Dorney Park, which is close to my grandparents. Like Allentown isn't that oh, far. Yeah. So That's true. I guess I need to make a trip. You do. <laughs> Apparently, Pennsylvania has a lot of like family owned, that makes family sense. quote yeah. unquote <laughs> owned. Because I'm pretty sure Hershey is like a huge corporation, but started out as a family owned theme park. I'm exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Okay. So in 1971, another big innovation for theme parks is Walt Disney World opened on the 27,000 acre, uh, land area and central florida in orlando specifically if you know you know (laughs) um disney makes the biggest investment ever for an amusement resort and for a whopping 250 million dollars you know what though they had it i think i think they've made their money back oh and then some Uh, not even five dollars for a pretzel i mean come on (laughs) you're telling me well and i also so i have to think too i try (laughs) It's just so dumb. I don't know why I do this, but I try to humble that number too, because I'm like, look, they're open almost year round, if not all year round. They have like the the park has expanded to the nth degree with all the different rides and workers and shows and li- like everything. I'm like, that costs mm-hmm. money. So like I I understand. Like you, like when you yeah. go to a park, you understand that you are paying park prices for the park to stay open. You like, you know what I mean? Like, 
<laughs> like I get well, it. Well, yeah, that but I mean, I uh, they make a ton of money. They have they their do. resorts there. They've got you know, and two hundred and fifty million was just for yeah the the four original mm-hmm. like parks, right? Yeah. And then now. And then not to mention like all the changes they've made since then. And then mm-hmm. also they've probably built more hotels since then. And they own like basically all of that little town right there. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, yeah. It's insane. Well, and plus the franchise, it's like the movies yeah. and stuff. Oh, like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It all gets divided up, you know. For sure. Um. Okay. So in 1972... Kings Island opens near Cincinnati, Ohio, and is credited with the revival of the class and wo- classic wooden roller coaster um, by building the roller coaster, The Racer. Did you ride the In one the- at Kings Dominion? Sorry to cut I you did. Off. I yeah, did. That one hurts. hurt my butt. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, they always hurt. The one at Dollywood doesn't hurt, though. It's just faster oh, than you nice. expect. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. We love that. The 1970s, a decade of renewal for the roller coaster and the regional theme park. Not only are the parks seeking to top each other with the tallest and fastest ride, but it is the decade of roller coaster innovation not seen since the 1920s and has the looping roller co- as the looping roller coaster becomes an in- industry staple. Oh, there's so many, so many yeah. roller coasters. I know. Um, in 1981, Canada's Wonderland opens in Toronto, Canada, and is widely considered to be the last theme park constructed in North America as part of the boom that reached its peak in the 70s. Hmm. With the costs up with costs up and all major markets apparently taken, experts considered American theme parks market the American theme park market to be saturated. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm like suffering over here. Okay. I don't know. I, I disagree with that. Uh, maybe for I mean, the time. Do you know of any theme parks that have like been brand new in our lifetime? Like in our areas? So know. not like, not like, um, major ones, but I see now right. that TikTok is a thing. I see other park, like the, the garlic one you were talking about when you wrote. So like, that's the- not new. That's not new. It's been around for a long time. But, but how nobody, long? Like, um, let's see. I can look it up right now. Yeah, I'm just curious. Like, I understand, but there, I feel like there's always new stuff, you know? Well, there's new rides and stuff like that, but I don't think parks as a whole are, hmm. like, new. I'm going to look that up, too. Like, the newest amusement parks. Yeah, so Gilroy Gardens was in 1944. It started. Um... Oh wait, actually, so this is this is the one I'm thinking of. Uh the Super Nintendo World um is a new theme park. And that's no, but intense. That's, I think it's Universal Studios though. Yeah, but it's marketed as a new park, which is weird. So it's the new section of the park. Like how the Star Wars park in uh Disney World is like a new section. Maybe it's just turned to sections now, but yeah, there's always something new happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. I agree. I agree. Definitely. What is Everyone's trying island? to do like the biggest, biggest and newest thing. Oh, you know what? It could be also the other thing we're not necessarily tapping. I don't know if you are or not. The other thing we're not necessarily tapping into is like the water parks. 
because there's some pretty big ones mm. out there and i guess there's apparently a boom for that also allegedly <laughs> just looking very briefly <laughs> yeah yeah fair insane anyway yeah i, I, I did not include water parks in this because that they're would be too much and yeah. usually they're like lumped in with a different theme park yeah. with like it's you know what i mean there's all there might be a water section within the theme park and that's just too weird to like discern from i don't know isn't uh king's dominion and water country like cahoots in virginia so i don't know i i have always been under the impression that water country and bush gardens were a thing because oh, they would sell like i'm talking they about. would sell like dual passes to maybe it. that's it yeah yeah they're separate yeah. but equal apparently separate but equal <laughs> exactly all right so where were we let's see so basically 1982 uh, i think 1982 okay so 1982 epcot opens at walt disney world so that 250 million dollars we were talking about a minute ago Mm. Um, Epcot was not a part of that apparently. And however, Walt Disney World in Florida, um, when they, when they, when they opened Epcot, um, it was considered the first theme park to surpass 1 billion in cost. Wow. So Epcot costs a lot of money. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And in 1983, Tokyo Disney opens. Fancy. Um, yeah, and Disney was looking to find get parks in Asia and Europe. So there's Disneyland Paris, and we'll get to that. And you know, mm -hmm. um, in 1987, Kennywood and Playland in Rye, New York, are listed on the National Register of Historic Places and the first operating amusement parks to be honored. Hmm. The the designation is a symbol of renewed interest in the amusement industry heritage. So that's exciting there. Yeah. So now you can't like take them down because they're mm -hmm. historic. 1992, the Batman ride opens at six flags in <laughs> great America in Gurney, Illinois. The first roller coaster um, where the cars travel underneath the structure. Mm -hmm. Batman is an immediate hit and soon parks around the world are building inverted coasters. Is Superman the same? I don't Does know. Superman ride do that? Never mind. I have no idea. I don't think I've ever written either one of them. <laughs> no. In 1988, SeaWorld of Texas opens in San Antonio. The first major <laughs> theme park in to open in North America since 1981 and reinvigorates a slumbering industry. Okay, so SeaWorld kind of brought it back to life in 1988, it looks like. Yes, which is weird. I Soon, several other new parks are under development, although not at the frenzied pace in the 1970s. Other notable new parks include Universal Studios in Florida in 1990 and the Fiesta Texas in San Antonio, which opens in 1992. Hmm. 1997, Superman, the ride opens at Six Flags, Six, Six Flags Magic Mountain in Valencia, California. This roller coaster breaks previous unthought records of the tallest structure. It is 415 feet tall which i do remember this being a significant mm. fact in like our lifetime mm. the fastest speed is 100 miles per hour wow well and now i think they've broken even that with some of the most recent coasters too yeah so here, here we go so 2000 
The roller coaster arms race reaches its peak with over 100 roller coasters opening worldwide and the world record for the tallest, fastest roller coaster changing hands three times from Goliath at Six Flags Magic Mountain um, and to Millennium Force at Cedar Point, which I have ridden and it is good, um, <laughs> to Steel Dragon at Nagashima Spa Land in Japan. Spa Land sounds so nice. I know. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> In 2005, the roller coaster arm race that started in 1988 seemingly comes to an end with the opening of King Dakar at Six Flags Great Adventure, which is 456 feet tall and goes 128 miles per hour. The growing costs and increasingly narrow appeal of record-breaking rides are the primary factors in bringing the race to an end for now. Narrow appeal? It's only I guess like people certain- don't care. Yeah, so certain people, like a lot of people go to theme parks for like, I don't know, the vibes. And some people don't like roller coasters too, you know? I'm starting to like wean away. Like my my yeah. uh, my internal ear gets very angry well, after a yeah, while. So after I turned like 27, <laughs> apparently mm-hmm. I can no longer tolerate roller coasters. And I am moving to my done. grandma era, apparently. <laughs> I'll hold the so, bags. But- <laughs> This is my plan though. This is yeah. my plan. Oh, so I'm going to take, I'm going to take motion sickness medication <laughs> and go on the roller coasters at Disneyland when we go. There. And I'm going to see if it works. I think it's going to be good. I'm excited. You've uh, maybe that's what I should do. I should just yeah. take a whole bunch of drama meme before I enter right. the park. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to see if it works because I, I want to have yeah. the like sensation of riding roller coasters. Yeah. Like it's fun, but it I just is. don't want to feel like crap afterwards. I'm telling you. So I'm going to take some drama meme and I'll let you guys know how it goes. Please do. Because we, we rode, I mean, like we went to Dollywood recently and we rode the like two or three rides and I was like, oh, okay, I'm starting to feel it. Ride number four. I was like, I'm done for like the rest. of Yeah, the day. no, exactly. That's exactly what happened to us. Like Ugh. I, um, when we went to Disney World in January of 2021, mm-hmm. um, we rode like the new star Wars ride because it had just come out and we had to like fight everybody for tickets. It was a whole thing. And it was a great ride, but I got off that ride. So I like, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can carry on now. (laughs) Like I thought I just needed food and some water, but it was not good. I felt awful. That was me and the new Hagrid ride at universal studios. (sighs) Oh God, we waited so long. We had to do the, like the, you had to like schedule a time and then you still had to wait. So we waited so long and I, I think it was just the, the number of turns and then spoiler alert, if you haven't written it and you don't just skip over a second or two, um, but then it went backwards into the spirals and I was like, Oh God, (laughs) felt so sick. (laughs) It was so good though. It was such a good Yeah. Ride. Right. But then you just feel like crap afterwards. Oh, it was like, bad. oh God. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So I'll, I'll keep you guys updated on my experience. Yes, we'll please. See. Okay. So let's see. So we're at 2005 and two, through 2007, the industry experienced a new wave of park closings driven by the Great Recession and maturing family entertainment sector. Among the largest parks lost during this era were, um, uh, do you have any suggestions on how to pronounce this? Gioga? Gin- Ginagua? Gio- uh, uh, Gioga Lake 
in Aurora, Ohio, Myrtle Beach Pavilion in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Oh. Liberty Land in Memphis, Tennessee. That sounds weird. Like, I I have another <laughs> one for you guys in the second half. You'll see. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, and Astro World in Houston, Texas. I didn't realize Myrtle Beach had a neither did I. Kind of I think we whatever. went when I went with you, yeah. we, there was no theme park that I remember. Well, I mean, we would definitely went there after 2006. Yeah, that's true. That was like two. When did we go to college? We... Like... <laughs> so we went to college between the years of 2012 and 2016. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. So that You're had welcome. to be like 2014, maybe. Yeah, I would say yeah. something like that. Man, I feel old now. Thank you. God, I know. <laughs> Um, okay, so in 2010, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter opens Ooh. at Universal Islands in the, of Adventure in Florida. Oh my God, I was so obsessed fun. with this. Ooh, it was actually and we a, went beautiful. So, so se- segue here. Um, <laughs> I was on swim team in college, and every year during Christmas break, like so, Christmas break in college for most people, I feel like is like a month, right? Yeah. So you take you get like a whole month to do Christmas and New Year's and all that. Um, so two of those weeks I went back to school and then we traveled as a team to Florida to train mm-hmm. and we got to go to Wizarding World of Harry Potter one year. So fun. We spent like a whole day and we did practice in the morning and then we spent a whole day at Wizarding World of Harry Potter and I had the best time. It was great. Did. We had a great time. It was so good. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Um, in 2011, Six Flags Over Texas opens the new Texas Giant built by Rocky Mountain Construction. The coaster is a steel track conversion of the former Texas Giant. RMC, the Rocky Mountain Construction, sees great success with these, this overhaul, transforming many more coasters into steel tracked hybrids by the end of the decade. Oh, so I guess this is a way to like preserve roller coasters in a way. Maybe. And also I've, there's gotta be safety things. There's just, Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. All right. So in 2020, the pandemic affects nearly every amusement park across the globe. I mean, Disney world closed, like it was a big deal Mm -hmm. Um, with many remaining closed or operating at a limited capacity in 2020. Um, Estimated losses for U.S. theme parks reach about 18 billion. Recovery from the pandemic remains ongoing in the early 2020s. And I mean, yep. now everything is like fully open. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they're still recovering, but yeah. I mean, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. It is what it is. You gotta do what you gotta do. And when we went in 2021 to Disney World, um, <laughs> we had to wear masks the whole time. Same for Universal. And, and you could get yep. booted out of the park if you didn't wear it. Which they had, like, of course, if you were eating or something, they just asked that you keep your distance when you take right. your mask off. But right. it was, for for what it was, it was incredibly packed in the city, yeah. just at Universal. I mean, the lines were still upwards of, like, 30 to 45 minutes long. So, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Disney had limited um, occupancy and you had to pick the park that you were in mm. the day before, like weeks before. So that way you could be counted already. Um, so it actually wasn't terrible. Nice. Like there was a lot of people, but right. it wasn't as bad as I've seen it before. 
like yeah. more organized. <laughs> I guess. And also it was in January after like New Year's too. So Fair. like people had to go back to work and school and stuff. So yeah, we went like on an off time. I feel Yeah. That's the best time. I agree. All right. So present day, finally, after all this time, <laughs> um, today, the amusement park industry stretches across the globe. Several companies are global scale operators with facilities stretching across many countries. As China has been the fastest growing market for theme parks since 20, the 2010s. I didn't know that. As technology continues to advance, visitors continue to receive unprecedented new thrills that promise to reach new heights with the construction of new parks and attractions, hmm. including Universal's Epic Universe, stretched scheduled to open in 2025. Didn't know that either. Didn't know that either. Yeah, I didn't know. Hmm. All right. So before we go to break, I'm going to do some fun facts. Let's go. <laughs> All right. The oldest theme park is in Bakken in Klempenborg, Denmark. Hmm. It was opened in 1583, 10 minutes north of Copenhagen. The entrance fee, the entrance is free and <laughs> they have 32 rides. I don't know why that was so hard for me to say. <laughs> Trigger warning for Americans. There's a weird clown on the homepage. Oh, you know, I got to look that up. <laughs> it's not great. I Whoa. looked up because the, they, you know, the website is there. It's, it's creepy. I don't Let's like it. see. Uh, Oh, of course I it's I don't I can't read Dutch sure take the cook <laughs> right it's weird it's oh, like he's... Pennywise I'm sure he has historical significance right like no shame no shame to... or shade the... yeah but oh they have an English version hold on let me look yeah <laughs> I wonder if I can did you look him up no I didn't because I was I was like this is weird I'm not gonna get into it this is weird Oh my goodness. I kind of want to know what's your what's your vibe, man. Anyway, keep going. I'm gonna look it up. Okay. The oldest roller coaster is the Leap the Dips in Lake Mount Park in Altoona, PA. Altoona is right outside of Pittsburgh, in case anybody wants to know. Nice. Um, it is the last slide friction roller coaster in America. And bonus, I did look that up because I don't know what that is. According to Wikipedia. This a side friction roller coaster is an early roller coaster design invented by Edward Joy Morris. Hmm. The design introduced side friction wheels to help prevent the trains from derailing during curved portions of the track. Very important. The addition to weight bearing wheel. In addition, the two weight bearing wheels traditionally located on the underside of each train car, friction wheels were added to both sides, which roll perpendicular along the inner edge of the track. So anyway. He, yes. he is a clown. Okay. But he actually comes from the French mimes, pantomimes. Oh, that makes sense. And he's like kind of like in the harlequin era where they yeah. would like the traditional mime yeah. clown that you would think of so he has so his pennywise <laughs> i would not think of him like that but if you do <laughs> i do i'm sorry I'm so curious. okay anyway so he's just well that's lovely because i guess yeah. they used to entertain there so they'd have all types of entertainment oh, okay. and one of them were mimes and he's right. just become a facet of the park so obviously yeah uh, right okay as you do okay. <laughs> fair all right so the largest drop 
in a roller coaster is King Ka in Six Flags, New Jersey. It's 418 feet. We briefly touched on that earlier. Jeez. The park with the most roller coasters is Magic Mountain in Valencia, California. It has 20 coasters. Wow. Park with the most the park with the most rides is Cedar Point in Sandusky, Ohio. Mm-hmm. It has 67 total rides, 47 major rides, and 20 kitty rides. Nice. Shout out to Savannah. We both went to Cedar Point. <laughs> uh and it was super fun. Cute. Oldest operating merry-go-round is currently in Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. It was manufactured in 1876. That's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Number one, I didn't know she had, I, I didn't, I would not have considered that. I guess it's a theme park. I don't know. Oh, no, 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 no. Martha's Vineyard is a, um, like a rich people That's what place I thought. to go. But yeah. It's not no, like it's, a... it's not associated with Martha Stewart. At okay. All. I was like very confused. Um, yeah. Secondly, when I worked in Maryland, we went to like this park where we would teach um like kids dance uh-huh. and like this kid park it was like a whatever it's a park sure. it's not like amusement yeah. park but it's like a forest walk where they would have activities for the kids yeah. and like whatever like a, a regular park and i think they also had a carousel which also claimed to be either the oldest or one of the oldest which is very interesting yeah. and now i'm curious about it <laughs> I mean, they're all like, they're all older, I guess. So. I would say, yeah. Hmm. Fun times, good. yeah. So that's all I have for your history lesson for today. Um, <laughs> in the second half, we're going to go over all the weird theme parks and all their weird themes and how much it costs to get in. And I'm so excited. So I'm also uh, excited. <laughs> we'll see you on the other half of this on the other side of this break. We receive many questions regarding what exactly mediocre content podcast can be used for in the average person's daily life. Today, we will address this question head on with a list of everything you can do while listening to MCP. Kirsten, take it away. Laundry, cooking, biking, hiking, driving, typing, working, walking, jumping, um, tattooing, swimming, okay, Kirsten. launching a rocket, math homework, hopping, racing, singing, All right. showering, shaking, I think they swinging, get it. jogging, eating, spinning, zooming, fishing, Kirsten. voting. Hello? Girl, can you hear me? Um, okay. It appears we've lost her. Um, well, just so you know, you could do a lot of things while listening to Mediocre Content Podcast. So, uh, yeah. That's, that's, that's the whole ad. And, um, uh, I'm gonna go head over to the second half now. Um, Kirsten, come on over when you're better. Alright, bye guys. Not listening to your wife eating peanuts. Welcome back to the second half of this podcast, the one you've been waiting for and probably didn't want to listen to the first half and you probably <laughs> skipped to the second half. So welcome back. Uh, they didn't want history. I feel like it's so important. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we go. We're going to start off with Gilroy Gardens only because uh, Chris and I went to Gilroy Gardens a few weeks ago. We call it affectionately, we call it Garlic World because they're um, so basically it is a horticulture themed amusement park known for its nature defying circus trees. Fun. The circus trees are real trees who branch her, whose branches and trunks were shaped and bent as they grew. 
You can see them throughout the park, and there's even a replica circus tree play play structure at the water park. Cute. So their mascot is a piece of garlic. There's a boy and a girl, and it's so cute. And like Gilroy also is like the the artichoke capital of the world. There's a lot of like mm. agriculture in that area. That makes sense. Um, so it would make sense for them to have Gilroy Gardens. And it's really <laughs> cute. It's mostly it's $45 per 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 person when you pre-purchase online. Children under three are free. Mm. And basically it's um it's more geared towards kids. So if you're an adult mm-hmm. like wanting to go, that's fine. But just know <laughs> that there's a there's many rides you cannot ride. Dang. Uh and but there's like nice places to eat, you know, there's a bunch of gardens to walk through and it's just it's like chill. It's nice. like a nice day. It's a nice way to spend the day. I like that. So, yeah. They have uh fl- they have strawberry teacups. Mm, that sounds so cute. <laughs> yeah, it's super cute. So anyway, highly recommend if you're in Gilroy, California, which is actually only an hour north of Monterey and like an hour and a half south of San Francisco. So convenient. Yeah. All right. So our next one is Holiday World. And yes, it sounds exactly like what it is. So um, <laughs> apparently it's also attached to a water park called Splash and Safari, but we don't talk about we're not it's talking about It's kind of that. a weird mix of names. <laughs> uh-huh. So Holiday World is appropriately located in Santa Claus, Indiana. (laughs) That's so perfect. It is. And the street address is 452 East Christmas Boulevard. Oh, my goodness. We're confusing the children. (laughs) I know. All right. So this place is pretty self-explanatory. Tickets start at $57 for one day admission. Holly Dog is their mascot. And it's a dog that just wears like a baseball cap and a shirt and shorts. I don't know and why. No, I don't. And he has friends. They, his best friend is Kitty Claus. Of course. Who is a Halloween themed black cat mascot. Can I just tell you that when you said Holly Dog, my first impression was a man in a hot dog suit. <laughs> Which was not the vibe. No. No, it's a dog and a cat. <laughs> I'll take mine with mustard, please. <laughs> yes. They have sections for Christmas, Easter, ha- Halloween. I kind of want to go now. You know, they the could whole just... nine. I bet they market it as like uh, Santa Claus's summer home. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, But it's not just Christmas. There's other hol- holidays yeah. there as well. Yeah. I mean, um, they have to have a meeting once a year. You know, right. Yeah. Mandatory. Right. Yeah. I'm sure the tooth fairy goes. I don't Absolutely. Know. Um, but yeah, maybe we could do a podcast trip to Holiday World. <laughs> Funded by <laughs> Mediocre Content. It's just us. It's just <laughs> we us. just pay for our ticket and play. <laughs> right. Okay. So the next one is Nobles, um, which has free admission. And it is one of the oldest uh, theme parks that is family owned that is still operating. So it is been around since 1926 um it's a lovely forested spot in elisburg pennsylvania they're all in pennsylvania 
I know it's weird, right? Um, one of the country's few remaining admission, free admission parks and visitors purchase tickets to, to Uh, pay like per ride. There it is. (laughs) I know. But you can just go and like walk through and then just like pay as you go, like for what you want to ride and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, apparently it's like really nice. It has, um, well, let me read this. Um, Among highlights at Nobles, the Phoenix and Twister are highly regarded and impeccably maintained wooden coasters. The park built Flying Turns, a retro style wooden bobsled coaster in um bobsled. it also has a haunted mansion d- dark ride using its own crew. <laughs> Fun. Wow. Nobles has many classic features, including an antique carousel, vintage bumper cars, and a parlor featuring the throwback arcade game fashion. Fascination. Fascination. That's what the game is called. I've never Never heard heard of it. it. I don't know. (laughs) The amusement resort also offers campground, cottages, and a bed and breakfast. So if you're like into cottage core, but also want to go to an amusement (laughs) park, this is is your vibe. Okay. Um, okay, so the next one is Enchanted Forest. Adult tickets start at 1825. Children ages 3 to 12 are 1625. And seniors 62 and up pay 1675. Jeez. And kids under two are free. Huh. Highlights. If you have ever dreamed of going through the looking glass in Alice in Wonderland hmm. or seeing how the little old lady who lives in the shoe decorated her humble dwelling, you can tell this is like from the website. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you can do both at the Enchanted Forest. That's cute. I kind of like yes. that. <laughs> yes. The park lets you enter real life versions of your favorite fairy tale lands, including an old West town, an idyllic European village, and an interactive storybook themed play area. Within the within the lands are a variety of kid-friendly rides <clears throat> like a carousel, um, train, and pint-sized Ferris wheel. And where is this? I forgot to include that, and I'm currently looking it up. I was like, I'm going to go right now. I want to go be in a shoe. My goodness. It is in... Oh. It is in Turner, Oregon. Oh. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Sorry about that. Dang. All right. We have another holiday themed, well, holiday adjacent themed theme park. This is the North Pole, aka Santa's Workshop. So, in Cascade, Colorado, which arguably is a good place for this because I'm sure it snows there. There, um, they have the North Pole, except (laughs) (laughs) during summer and fall, entry is free, and you only need to pay for ride tickets. Unlimited ride packages are also available. During the holiday season, admission is 25 per person and reservations are required. Fair enough. Uh, Luckily, you don't have to travel all the way to the real North Pole to visit this holiday-themed park. The (laughs) North Pole is located near the base of Pikes Peak in Colorado, a fitting location for Santa's workshop. Is it? The park has more than two dozen rides, mostly geared towards families with young children, with some designed for children to ride by themselves. The Peppermint Slide and Santa's Sleigh Ride tie directly into the park's Christmas theme, but all attractions have a festive feel thanks to the snow-capped mountain setting. You know, typically, 
you will find these parks have individual stores or maybe a little bit of a holiday section. They're like, no, 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 no. I want a whole park dedicated to the holidays. Yes. That's kind of I'm sure it's a huge hit, like when people come skiing or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, if you like Christmas, this is your vibe. (laughs) Dutch Wonderland in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is also like Amish country, I believe, as well. Yeah, it is. Um, so it is $49.99 for guests ages three and up with discounts for military members and first responders. Children under three are free. Highlights. Dutch Wonderland bills itself as a kingdom for kids. Emphasis on the kingdom. You can enter the park through a large stone castle facade. And once inside, you encounter characters like Duke the Dragon and Merlin the Magician. So Fancy. I feel like it's a theme park that is also um, like medieval themed. Cool. I kind of like that. I could get down with that. Yeah. Mostly geared towards younger children. And there's a prehistoric path full of life-size. Oh, just kidding. life-size dinosaurs plus a dig area kid-friendly rides and coasters and a large water play area medieval dinosaurs Dinosaurs. similar but different same same but different yeah same same different all right okay this next one is my favorite one of all of them so if you've ever had if you've ever had an impulsive thought like how you want to drive like a backhoe or something like that like just when it when it's just out there on the construction site and you're like if i just hop this fence and drive this backhoe like it would be great anyway so in katy texas for 24.99 for a (laughs) two-hour pass two hours (laughs) yes oh my god (laughs) you can go to dig world <laughs> 22 hours. There's there's not enough time in the world to be behind a freaking pickup truck and a right. tow truck. So, Are you kidding? Exactly. I'm exactly. <laughs> the creative geniuses behind Dig World realize so many of us have driven past a construction site and fought the urge to hop a bulldozer <laughs> and start bulldozing. The impulse is too high. <laughs> so they built a park where kids and adults can do just that. But in a safe, supervised environment. Forklift certified, <laughs> here I come. <laughs> Big World has World. a selection of excavators, steer loaders, and steer loaders that you can use to drive, dig, fish, and fish objects out of the water. You, If your kids aren't quite ready to operate heavy machinery, there is also gym mining. I could do both. A playground and lo- and lawn games to keep them occupied. What do I have to do for a day pass? I don't know. <laughs> Two hours does not seem nearly enough for this I know. experience. I know. I'm upset. <laughs> Is this not the best idea ever? I would I, love to go here. Can we just make like mini pockets of this? <laughs> in you know what they need? The country? They need a little like a store on the side where you can get a personalized hard hat from your experience. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, I want, I want a life-size bulldozer with my name inscribed on it from this experience. You give me two hours to fully be a construction worker? Life-sized? You want a bulldozer to take home? Why not? Where, where are you going to put it? Uh, my pocket. I don't know. Girl. I'll just slip it right in there. <laughs> Imagine coming home and you're just like, hey, Tyler, this is ours now. 
And it's like pink and sparkly. You know what? You are under the impression he did not also get his own. So I feel like that's 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 kind of a reach. (laughs) It's fair. Okay. So Dig World's my favorite. I would agree. Uh, Storyland in Glen, New Hampshire. First welcome visitors in the 1950s. And its storybook and nursery rhyme inspired attractions also span generations and evoke warm, fuzzy nostalgia. Uh, similar to our other one, the Enchanted Forest one, the woman in the shoe um, is featured there as well as Mother Goose, Cinderella, Three Little Pigs, et cetera, et cetera. Cute. Yeah. Lagoon in Farmington, Utah, dates back to 1886, one of the oldest ones. It has a number of old rides that still bring smiles and screams, including the carousel installed in 1906. And has a wooden roller coaster named Roller Coaster that opened okay. in 1921. <laughs> so original. <laughs> Among Lagoon's nine other thrill machines, its headliner is Cannibal. The oh. ominously named Steel Ride features an elevator lift in a darkened shaft that brings its trains up 208 feet and an inclined first drop that sends passengers barreling down at 116 degrees and a top speed of 70 miles per hour. Holy and four, God. there's four topsy turvy inversions as well. Topsy turvy is a word I have not heard or used in a very long time. <laughs> I know. Uh, Lagoon also offers Pioneer Village, an old West uh, town. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. With a one-room schoolhouse, a music hall, a town hall, and um, there's also Lagoon A Beach, a six-acre Lagoon uh, A. <laughs> uh, but the A is separate. It is separate, but I think that's Lagoon, what it's getting at. Uh, beach. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> a six-acre attraction packed with water park stuff. That's all. You can tell where it's just like, it can't beat Dig World. So everything I, after, I, I you know. should have put Dig World last. I know. I'm <laughs> sorry. But I have, okay. So I have two bonus ones that shout out to Mindy at work. She like. This next one. She really like, so she lived in Florida for a few years, I believe, or part of her life. And she said she's been to both of these places and they're both wild and exactly what you expect from Florida. So here we go. The first one the first scares one, me. The second one I, know. I could get I could get on with. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first one is Holy Land Experience, oh, which is a Christian theme park yikes. in Orlando, Florida, and regist- and registered as a nonprofit corporation. Mm. Holy Land Experience conducted weekly church services and Bible studies for the general public. The theme park created, uh, recreated the architecture and themes of ancient, the ancient city of Jerusalem in the first century Judea. The Holy land experience was owned by the Trinity broadcasting network and closed in March of 2020. Wonder why. Pr- presumably due to the pandemic. Sure. I would say that's, that's what killed it. Uh-huh. Right. Um, Mindy told me that you can also take communion um you can there's always like a soundtrack of like christian music playing you know blair i don't mean to be a <laughs> pessimist as i i can't say a lot right because right you know 
I know you. Methodist or whatever. Yeah, right. Or whatever. Here's the thing. This tastes a little C with an alt E to me. I, I, that's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> I recently watched the Duggar documentary oh, as well as God. the um, Hillsong Church documentary. And I was oh, like, this is perfect. This, this is, is perfect. the culmination of all of that rolled into one thing in Florida. Oh, Florida, you are a, you are an interesting, an interesting state. <laughs> yeah. And so if anyone if anyone is worried about the Holy Land experience um coming back that was uh weird. you can rest easy unless they have decided to move elsewhere because the that. land that it is currently on has been bought by a healthcare company so they're going to develop it into like offices and stuff. Good lord. So anyway. That's, actually that's kind of topical too. <laughs> yeah, you can't really I mean you can't really go there anymore but uh I just thought it was worth mentioning. Definitely. <laughs> Okay. Um, and then the second one, the second bonus one is Gatorland, <laughs> so which happy. is also in Florida. <laughs> uh, which are we surprised? No, we're not no. surprised. Gatorland. <clears throat> uh, you can see alligators and crocodiles of all sizes from babies, which are known as grunts, apparently, oh. to the 14 foot monsters Ooh. that we call our that call our breeding marsh home. So it's a breeding marsh is Gatorland. I don't like that, but I yeah, but I'll skip over it. We even have the largest collection of extremely rare white uh leucistic leucistic alligators. Okay. But Gatorland is more than just a gator park. All our right. free flight aviary petting zoo and one of the kind animal shows uh the thrilling screaming gator zipline and new stomping gator off-road adventure nope ensure you'll be able to have a day chock full of fun or a lost limb (laughs) right so mindy also went to this one and she told me that they the the they have a the one of the animal shows is mm-hmm. they feed the gators and they hold out the like meat and the gators like jump out of the water. Oh. And it's terrifying. I oh, oh my God. Also, the screaming gator zip line goes <laughs> above the gators. So you're like above the I like specifically looked at the website and you can you go above the gators, like the pit of gators. Okay horrifying i hate zip lines add that i'm yeah. done also right. the fact that you use gator and jump in the same sentence has me right. really on edge <laughs> right <laughs> especially right. we're talking aerial aerial right like air out of lake. out of the water <laughs> like and uh you can get tickets to do all of this at for 32.99 they should to, definitely discount that price <laughs> to risk life and limb at the hands of the gators in Gatorland. I would pay a total of 50 cents <laughs> right for that experience. Right. Oh, I'd pay more for Holy Land. <laughs> no, absolutely not. To join a mild cult, absolutely mild, not. Mild, not even medium. <laughs> mild. Oh, what an experience Florida is. I know. They really got it all down there, I swear. And not mm. all of it's great. Not none of it is great, <laughs> except Disney World, in which case it's fine. Oh my gosh. <sighs> well, thanks for that. I feel like this episode felt like an amusement park. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we created our own. I just want everyone to be educated on their options. Okay. Disney World's not the only thing out there for you. It's true. Apparently the rest of them are in Pennsylvania almost exclusively. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Uh, well, we sincerely appreciate you bringing us down this journey. Um, if you'd like to let us know about some other amusement parks we may not have mentioned or other obscure places you have uh, for fun and merriment or pleasure where you're from, uh, you can send all of that information to us either via our Gmail at MediocreContentPodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at MediocreSquawks or connect with us over on Instagram at MediocreContentPodcast. You can also catch us live every other Thursday, 6 p.m. EST, 3 p.m. PST on Twitch, which is twitch.tv backslash, you guessed it, Mediocre Content Podcast. <laughs> it's wow. a mouthful, but it is what it is. Um, and yeah, uh, don't forget to rate us five stars anywhere you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate it. Um, or if you hate us, just don't leave anything. <laughs> just just don't, just, just leave. That's fine too. <laughs> exactly. Anything else from you, Blair? No. Um, we'll see you guys next week with, uh, I'm sure, a riveting Planet episode. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so it. excited. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Cheers. Cheers.